He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Father, we hallow our time in your presence and we thank you for the privilege of being here. Thank you for the price you paid for sending Jesus, your most precious gift to us. We pray that we will not receive this gift in vain. And now, Father, touch these lips. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. Let the words that come from me come from the heart of the Father. And let them be spirit and life to our life. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to speak about obstacles to our fruitfulness. Obstacles to our fruitfulness. Amen. The theme of our conference is, She did what she could. Now, what is it that makes us not do what we can? There are a myriad of reasons, but we can still believe God to lead us and show us what it is that stops us from becoming fruitful. God did not save you just so that you and I can be happy on earth and to give us an enhanced lifestyle. He saved us, yes, but he left us here because he had work for us to do. Amen, somebody. So Christianity is not about just being saved and being happy in life and in the church. But Christianity is about being saved and affecting other lives. He left us here so that we would work. Amen. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Not the Christians. Not the church attendees. But the laborers. Because many of us get born again. And may be Christians. But we don't transform into laborers. Laborers are people who work and labor in the field. A majority of us, when we get born again, we stop there. And if God's intention was just to take us to heaven. Then the day we gave our lives to Christ. The next day we should have gone to heaven. But God needs a workforce. And God has chosen you and I so that we can labor in his vineyard. Amen, somebody. somebody. Some of us, the only person we have on our minds always is me, myself, and I. We don't have anybody else on our minds. But God saved us so that we will see how lost the rest of humanity is. And then we would go ahead and save them. I would say that 
I had the privilege of practicing law for about 10 years. And I worked with the Attorney General's Department at the latter end. I don't know what you call it. America is DA's office, but here I don't know what you call it, but where you work for the state. You work for the state as a lawyer. And uh, when I started, first of all, I was in private practice. And then I realized that I couldn't marry pr pr private practice with ministry, marriage, and bearing children. So I went to tell my boss that I was resigning. And my boss was very sad. It's a good sign when your boss is sad. When your boss is happy to see you go, it's not good. And um, he was asking me, so do you need to go? I said that when we do private practice, we end like 11 p.m., depending on the case that's on hand. And, uh, and uh, that makes me unable to do the things I have to do. And at that time, my boss was an unbeliever, steeped unbeliever, who was successful at what he was doing. So then he said, ah, because at the weekend, you go for afternoon jams. I said, which afternoon jam? He said, oh, but these are your churches. You just go, you jump, you are happy, your body's agile. That's all it's about. And then I was about to leave the firm to go into government work. God said to me, what did you bring into this firm? And I didn't understand. What did I bring? He said that you are leaving. There are Christians here. But are you going to leave this man to go to hell? So there was a breakfast meeting. And um, I decided to take a card and give it to him for the breakfast meeting. No, a lunch. A breakfast meeting that went into lunch. So when I took the card, that was about my last day. And I was going to give him the card. But that day when he saw me, he blasphemed more than ever. So I was very upset. And I had another colleague who was also a fellow lawyer and was in church with me, my very good friend. So I had to leave. And I said to her, I was going to invite this man to the breakfast meeting. But today he has been so blasphemous, so disrespectful of God. So please do me a favor. I have to run now. Would you please give this card to him and tell him that I'm invited to the breakfast meeting. She said, oh, I'll do that in spite of his blasphemy. So I left. The next day I was at the breakfast meeting and there was this, my boss. And then Archbishop Duncan Williams was preaching. And this, my boss, had a notepad. He was noting down all the wrong English expressions and all the wrong arguments that to him didn't hold water. And so at a point, that time, there was not a lot of political freedom in Ghana. So at the point, Archbishop called my husband and said, this guy sitting over there, is he a journalist? And my husband said, no, he's not a journalist, he's a lawyer. But he was writing, right? And I was fuming because I could see him. I said, well, what's he writing? Is he writing so that next time when he sees me, he will have something? Anyway, in the end, the altar call was made. And yours truly came forward and gave his life to Christ. I wasn't going back to the firm. 
but by the grace of God, he had been won to the kingdom. And today, he's been in my church for more than 20 years. And incidentally, after that, when he came to church, oh, I never knew you would become my pastor's wife. Look at all the things I've said to you. And now I'm your, I'm your pastor. I said, mm, God knew. Your sins are many, many. And even though he was my boss, I developed a very nice relationship with him. And he even went on to give me a consultancy that even though I was leaving the firm, he wanted me to still work with him. And later on, he would come to the church. And when they are preaching, his face is very serious. He listens to the word like this. So after church, I would say, so why do you make your face so serious? You must look excited about the word of God. He said that what? I said, when you hear the word of God, have a good attitude, good face, so that you can encourage the preacher. And then after a while, he said to me, you know, in this church, I am so prestigious. Nobody talks to me like that, but only you. <laughs> you tell me as it is. And I said, because you also told me things you shouldn't tell me. So now I'm able to tell you things as it is. And we have a very great relationship. And as the years went by, he got married. He had children. And they are all in the church serving the Lord. You see, a little obedience, a little fruitfulness, a little thoughtfulness goes a long way. Whenever I see him, I am so happy. Yes, it has not been always a smooth journey. But he was an atheist. He didn't believe in God. He felt that he was an intellectual. And having gone to study in Oxford and made it worse. But the Spirit of God touched him. And he came along. But some of you, tomorrow's breakfast meeting, you have not bothered to invite anybody. It's like, oh, Pastor Clara is announcing, so we'll see what we can do. The little that you can do. So in my workplace, they don't really want... This boss was not um, somebody, you know, he's a user-friendly. He wasn't Christian-friendly. You know, and I almost gave up. So later, when I looked back, I saw that it was a ploy of the enemy. Because that was the day he blasphemed the most. And that was the day I decided, this guy, should I even give him the card? You know, I was halting between two opinions. And then I decided to leave it with my colleague to give. So I didn't even give it to him directly. From me, through somebody else, to him. And look at the lives it has touched. Not only him, his wife, his children are truly serving the Lord. When the youth are traveling to minister... They are amongst that. Where did it start? My little obedience in my office. You too can be a fruitful servant of the Lord. Hallelujah. So what are the things that make us not fruitful? What are the things that don't make us bear fruit? Jesus said that he was sending us so that we will bear fruit. And not only to bear fruit, but that our fruit should abide. And if he said that our fruit should abide, then it meant that the fruit depended on us. The abiding of the fruit, or the, how do you say abiding? The, the staying power of the fruit depended on us. But we don't see it that way. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto idle works, 
and to lazy works and to relaxing works and to convenient works and to comfortable works and to good works which God has before ordained that we should sleep in them that we should walk in them God makes you his workmanship when you become born again and he creates you unto good works and one of the good works is to be a fruitful Christian and not just be I myself and me every day give me give me give me my name is Jimmy amen Matthew 22:14 says for many are called but few are chosen amen many are called to the interview but few do what they should do to be chosen amen so we have no excuse to say oh lady reverend you are called but i'm not called if god can use us then he can use anybody that is how i also think i think oh god if you can use me you can use anybody if you can use me then anybody can be a vessel in your hand so i want you to see that god has called you many are called contrary to what you think that a few are called to be pastors a few are called to be fruitful a few are called to affect lives many are called i didn't write the bible but few survive the long haul few answer to god and few say yes to god amen as for the call to fruitfulness we are all called to fruitfulness because we are all his workmanship all of us created in christ jesus and to good works which god ordained before that we should walk in those good works and it is a good work to be fruitful in the things of god amen turn to your friend and say many are called it's amazing that jesus said you did not choose me but i chose you and ordained you he didn't ordain you to become let's say a full-time pastor he may have he didn't ordain you to be a bishop he didn't ordain you to be a pope but he ordained you to be fruitful so ordination is not just when you wear a clerical color like I do, color, like I do, or clerical dress, but it's so that we will obey him. John 15 verse 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Why? That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Do you wonder why you've been asking for things and it's not working? Check your life of fruitfulness. There are lots of things that come through obedience and not necessarily through asking. Amen. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you 
that you should go and bring forth fruit. That's one. You can't say, it's not for me, it's for a special few, it's for some elite group. There's nothing like that. You should go. You should go. The ordination is that you should go, first of all. But many of us are sitting. Many of us are steeped in our problems. And sometimes those problems will not go away. But if you got up to seek, to go and to bear fruit, whatever you asked would come your way. That your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. But we have reversed the trend. The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things shall be added unto you. We are seeking first all other things and hoping that righteousness and the kingdom of God will be added unto us. We have changed the order in which it comes. Now, Lady Reverend, what are the obstacles to our fruitfulness? In the spiritual realm, there are also spiritual sicknesses. And the reason why some of us do not bear fruit is because we are not well. And we are spiritually sick. Sometimes, and not always, when in the natural you are not able to bring forth it is usually because there's a medical condition somewhere. Sometimes my husband tells me it may be the blocking of the fallopian tubes, the inability of the ovaries to release eggs, the destruction of the womb due to earlier abortion and so on. All these are health reasons which prevent childbirth. In the same way, when Christians are unable to give birth and to be fruitful, it is often because there is some medical condition in our Christian life. Though we may be born again, we are spiritually unwell. One such sickness is laziness. Another is pride. Another is because we want to live a certain lifestyle and we feel that when we step out to be fruitful, it will come into question. Some of us have such bad Christian habits that we cannot master courage to share the gospel. So one of the main obstacles is that as a Christian, you are not well. Because if everything is okay, all things being equal, then we should be able to bear fruit. One of the things is slothfulness. When Jesus gave the talent to the people, and the one man said, I didn't do anything with the talent. I just put it in a napkin, which is work anyway. And then I dug the earth, which is work anyway. It's just that it's useless work. And a lot of us are doing useless work. And then I dug the earth and I hid it there because I knew that you were a wicked servant and all. And then when the master came back, one of the ways he addressed that servant said, You wicked and slothful, slothful servant. And slothful means lazy. Lazy. 
too lazy to get off that chair. Too lazy to think about others. Too lazy to serve. Too lazy to be productive in the kingdom of God. Lazy. Even this, this program that you have come to. We have to give you praise and worship. We have to thank God. You are telling God you are lucky, Pa, that I'm sitting here. You are so lucky, you God, you don't know. You are lucky that I came here and that I'm sitting here. Because slothfulness will not let you come. You know there's a meeting, but you just look and say, How will I get up before I'll go to the bus station? Before I'll take this, my body, and go and sit on this bus and then come for this meeting? It's laziness. But when you were in the world, you were not lazy about the nightclub, you had energy. That foolish boy who has never paid a price for you. You served him and you were not lazy about it. But God sent his only begotten son to save you from destruction and to give you eternal life. And now that you are born again, you are the queen and the king of laziness. Slothfulness. Wicked and slothful servant. Being fruitful doesn't just come. It's not by osmosis or you are just sitting there and then it just comes over you. It is a decision you make to get up and do it. Some of us don't have certain jobs because of laziness. You were too lazy in school to study. Too lazy to put in any energy. And you have transferred it to the things of God also. So laziness is a problem in the body of Christ. And when you are lazy, with all due respect, you put on more pounds. You develop heart problems. Because now all of us, our lifestyles are sedentary. Everything you sit down, you don't get up to even put up the telly. Everything is by remote control. So that laziness has seeped into the church. And you don't want to do anything. Some people think that ministry is looking nice and sitting in front. They say, I would like to marry a pastor. And just last week, we met some young people on my stairs. We're going up, Lady Pastor BM and I and some other members of staff. And we saw a young girl, but we had met many of her type. And we said, oh, hello. She introduced us. I said, oh, her beloved is some missionary. So I said, oh, Wow. So are you ready to go on missions? But I say yes. And I say, so why do you like him? I love him because, Lady Reverend, he loves the things of God. Then I said, really, like what? I said, oh, the way he worships, the way he says, the way he... Then LPBM said, you see, oh, you are coming to stand here to say the things of God. When you marry him and he's going to do the things of God too, then you will be fighting him. But now you are saying because the way he prays, the way the, these things of God that you people say. The girl was very startled. It's like, what are you saying? But we think that ministry is glamour. And we think ministry is like being a film star. God told me long ago that if you want to serve me in the ministry, never follow what is happening in the world where pastors have become like film stars and like diplomats. My husband says, if you are a shepherd, you will smell of the sheep. But if you are a diplomat, as soon as church ends, no, it doesn't even end. Then some wild entourage is following you. And your Mercedes Benz is parked. And your heater 
or your air conditioning is on depending on the weather at the time. And your uh, uh, chauffeur is standing there. And then you just wave to the admiring masses, adoring masses. He says, see you. And you sit in your car and you go, I've gone to minister. Ministry is getting your hands dirty. Ministry is going into the trenches. Ministry is going to where nobody will go. And Jesus said, I chose you that you should go and bear fruit. Go, 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 go. It doesn't happen until we go. And bear fruit. I thank God for my husband because that has always been his heart through Legon, through the university. You know, when I met him, it wasn't love at first sight. His, his devotion to God used to annoy me. Because whenever he would come into our hall, the university, our hall, he was doing medicine, I was doing law. But I knew him through a mutual friend. But as he's entering the hall, he's speaking in tongues. So I told this, my friend, this is your friend. Is he normal? Is he okay? But of course, I'm very diplomatic. So when I see him, brother, hey, sister lady, how are you? See, this guy. So then sometimes I'll go and pass somewhere else so that I wouldn't meet him. He would just be speaking. I'm fine. How are you too, brother Doug? I'm well. I'm bought with the blood of Jesus. I'm heaven bound. Demons scatter when they see me. Oh, hallelujah. I'm a child of God. I'm bought with the blood. Ah, one, how are you? Look at all these problems. What is this? I am also born again, but this type of born again, I will never be. I will never be too much. But do you know, that made him, everybody knew from day one that he was sold out for Jesus. But some of us, people were not sure whether we were nice Christians or we were sympathetic to the unbeliever cause or what it was. And I went to pass by his door. I didn't know him very well. Only believe some verse with chalk on his door. I say, hey, this guy is hyper spiritual. <laughs> and when he came on campus, our youth group or his youth group did not have a branch on the university campus. And he decided to form a branch of the youth group. And then when he formed the branch, every time he'll be preaching, we must preach the gospel. It's a lost world. We must tell them about Jesus. So then one day, there's a very notorious hall. He said, we are all marching to that. That hall, they can even pelt you, throw things on you, insult you. I mean, it was dangerous. He took us to the chapel. He said, let's pray for God's will. So we're praying for God's will before we go on this crusade the, the, up there. And then somebody started to sing. Freely, freely, you have received. Freely, freely give. Go in my name. And because you believe. Others will know that I live. That was enough. It was like a prophecy has come. So now we're going. It is on a hill. 
I thought that we would just walk and pray. No. Brother Doug had his guitar. <laughs> and we were going to sing in style. These people who are so wild, we are going to announce our coming. So he was playing the guitar. Get on excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get on excited, go tell. So we're also clapping, walking. And we walked there. And the people in the hall were shocked. And so many, including the chief vandal, gave their lives to Christ. He would stand on the bus to medical school and preach as a medical student, not as a pastor. Go and bear fruit. Bearing fruit everywhere. So on the bus he preached and Dr. Charles Osei gave his life to Christ. Today he is our president of our lay movement in New York. He's our pastor. What if we hadn't gone? We were not pastors. We're ordinary Christians like you. Are you a worker? Are you a wife? Are you a mother? Go and bear fruit. And let your fruit remain. You too can do it. Amen. And then there was a political upheaval in Ghana. And uh, the universities were closed for one year because at that time, it wasn't a democratic government. Thank God we've never had civil war anyway. So, I was going home and my husband said, So, Sister Adley, you're going home to Takwa, another city. What is your vision for this holiday? I said, hey, but holiday to when you are going, is there a vision in it? <laughs> I don't know there is vision in the holiday. <laughs> I know the holiday is for rest. You people, you all rest, even when it's not holiday. So, I said, the vision. I don't have any vision. And he said to me, when you go to your city, Start a fellowship for God. I said, me? A fellowship? Yes. Preach to people. Tell them about Jesus and disciple them. I said, really? Okay, my president has told me, my beloved. So I suppose I will do what my president has said. So I got home. I was the only Christian in my house then. And then I said to them, we are going to have a fellowship. So I went to call some of my two friends. I said, God has given me a vision for this holiday as we are home. <laughs> we are going to start a fellowship. And it's going to be called Beach Road Fellowship. And God is going to do great things in Beach Road. I was trembling like a leaf. But he told me, stay in God's presence, pray a lot, and God will empower you. So I started. And the area, the youth, they all started to join. And then I started to go on dawn broadcast. It's a very residential area. They don't do this type of dawn broadcast because next door to you will be a Japanese, next door to you is a British press. So you don't do that. But I had been told that go and bear fruit. This is your vision for this holiday. So then <laughs> my sister had just gotten born again. So I'll divide the place and say, come with me. So we'll go. It's very quiet at dawn. We'll preach at this section, this section, this section, and invite them to give their lives to Christ. And many got born again. Today, I am at bus stations or airports, and people walk to me and say, when I was at Beach Road in 1983, you preached at dawn, and I gave my life to Christ. 
a lady in the London church, she said, you came to my house to follow me up. I used to dodge you. But later when I came here and I heard that your church was Lighthouse, I joined and I'm going so wonderfully. As a student whose university has been closed, you too can do something for God. Go and bear much fruit and your fruit must abide. Obstacles to fruitfulness. Laziness. The fact that you are on vacation doesn't mean you can't be fruitful. You can be fruitful. Amen. All that Christians know how to do now is to invite people to church. And even that they won't do it. That is the easiest part that they will not do it. You pass by people every day. (laughs) And because of laziness, the second sickness, pride. As I'm going to talk to them, they will make their faces. If they make their faces, you die. As I'm going to talk to them, they will not be nice to me. Do you die when they are not nice to you? That foolish boy was not nice to you, but you kept following him. He was abusing you, but you kept following him. Now, if for Jesus, somebody has to squeeze their faces, how, what is that to you? It is little. So I pray that you overcome the obstacle of laziness. The second obstacle is the obstacle of the cares of this world. Mark 4.19 And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. When the word of God is choked, it means that its effect is blocked or obstructed. That is exactly what happens to some Christians. They become so occupied with other things that they no longer have time for the things of God. What does the Bible say? It says the cares of this world. The cares are not bad things. They are legitimate things. But they can get out of hand. The cares of this world. The cares of this world is the payment of your bills. The cares of this world is the care of children. The cares of this world is the care of husbands. And I tell you, husbands can be high maintenance. (laughs) I thought that it was women who like to be pampered. I've come to see that men also like to be pampered big time. Big time. But the cares of this world, yes, you have to pay your bills. You have to pay your heating. You have to pay your rent. You have to pay your municipal taxes and all that. You have to pay school fees, yes. But it should not choke the word and make you unfruitful. Because the world system is never going to change. And it's not going to get better. You know, some people say, oh, I'm a student, I'm very busy. When I become a worker, I will serve God. That's what I used to think. I used to look forward to finishing school. I said, what, when I finish school? You know, I don't have to remember all these legal things. Because I just have to go to the library and then I'll check it. And then what will I be doing the whole day? If you choose a job 9 to 5, by 5 you are finished. So what do grown-ups do after (laughs) 5? Why do they look so busy? After 5, what do they do? They have the whole time to themselves. But when I entered life, even to arrive at the office was a whole battle. The cares of this world. But the cares of this world are not supposed to choke God's word in your life. Children should not choke you from being fruitful. Husband, boyfriend, beloved, 
said, Miss Reverend, I've got a beloved so These days I find it very difficult to come to church. Hey! You remember the people who gave Jesus excuses? I've married a wife. I've bought oxen. Your business. I've bought land. You are, you are expanding your investments. The cares of this world. They choke the word. And sometimes we are too embroiled in the case. And it doesn't get better. This is your husband that you have been interceding for. Have you not seen that it's not getting better? Why don't you change the strategy to go and bear fruit and that whatsoever you ask, he will do it. So that your load is lightened and you are still fruitful. Amen, ladies? Some of you, when you meet a man, your whole world comes to a stop. And I see it. I see it even in the church. I said, ah, now you have a beloved. Eh? <laughs> yeah, how did you know? I said, even the way you are making yourself. <laughs> That's how I know. <laughs> Amen. The cares are legitimate cares. When your relationships are not working, they are legitimate. And you feel that if I talk to the man more, he will change. But the more you talk, the worse he gets. Because ladies, nagging doesn't work on men. <laughs> nagging makes them more stubborn. So if you have the breath to be talking a lot, turn it into talking about Jesus. Amen, Amen ladies. Amen. The curse of this world. So let me remember, but if you are not happy, how can you preach? Eh? If you are not happy at all, Lady Reverend, how can you preach? But when you start preaching, you even forget about what you left behind. And you even forget about your problems. Because when you are always looking inward, you get worse. But when you look outward, you get better. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 verse 8, I believe, what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. That is the secret that I have found. Serving others gives me so much fulfillment. I come back home as a fulfilled woman with less problems because other things don't matter. Amen. And sometimes you get so involved with other people, it is really fulfilling. That is why a rich man like Bill Gates has left all his riches to make a difference in humanity. He is not a Christian. He is doing what he thinks will make a difference. But what's the point of being healed of malaria and dying and going to hell? Amen. The cares of this world. The things that worry women the most, relationships. Can God see that I'm not getting married? Can God see I want a husband? Can God see what? A... But you won't go. It was when Rebecca was serving that she was found by the well. If she had sat in her house, like most of you do, she would not have been productive to go to the well. And then when the servant asked her for water, those days the servants wore servants' garbs. So she knew that he was a servant. And some of you, you would have been weighing a servant. As before, does he think I'm his servant? A servant of servant. I cannot be that. But she decided to serve. She said, I'll give you water and your camels also. 
And then the seven, the Bible says, and he wandering at her said that I found the wife of my master Isaac. It is in service that you find a good man, ladies. <laughs> when I say I was serving God, when I met my husband, he said he, he will marry in 20 years' time. And I also said, oh, that's good because I'm also going to be a missionary and I will not even marry. <laughs> that was the plan. How many of you know the plan didn't work? <laughs> and that it went so awry that now even four children came. Did I plan that you won't marry and the plan that you will marry in 20 years? What point am I making? The things that you care about, that you are working, striving so much about, God has already prepared for you. The Bible says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared. Some of you, you are going mad because of that relationship. The only thing that will make you sin is your life of service and fruitfulness. I'm telling you. Because every time you'll be staring at this, obsessed, when is it going to change? For 30 years, you put your life on hold. For 15 years, you put your life on hold. For 5 years, you put your life on hold, waiting that things will change. What is that? You get up and change the world with your gospel. Amen, somebody. And then the second thing, the deceitfulness of riches. Hey, before God prospered you, you were the first to be in church. Before God prospered you, we could ask you, please, can you sweep the place? Please, can you arrange the chairs? Now, you are so big, even the door, you can't come through it. Your ego is like this. And we have to be so careful in the church not to offend you because you are a very important person. And any small thing we ha- you do, we have to say, Sister Shawanda, we are grateful. Sister Shawanda, we thank you. Sister Shawanda, if we didn't have you, we wouldn't know what to do. Sister Shawanda, God bless you. If we forget to say thank you, that will be the end of you. But who are you serving? Are you serving man or you are serving God? <laughs> Riches have a way of deceiving you. You were walking here, single sister, we were praying for you. Today you say that you are married to the mayor of Copenhagen. So now, when we call, you say, hey, this is Shawanda. I'm no longer Shawanda. I'm now Mrs. Whatever. Four and twenty elders in heaven are casting down their golden crowns. Then you, your polyester shirt, you cannot cast it down. I don't get it. It just doesn't ring a bell. Amen, ladies. Riches have a way of making us feel more important than we are. And the Bible says, let no man think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Ministry is just an office. And it is an office of grace. It's not an office of pride and pomposity. That is not what it is. The Bible says that humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that he will exalt you. When you didn't have a carpet in your room, you used to pray. But today you have a carpet. You know, the winter is very... I can't really pray. And Somebody wrote a prayer on the wall and said, God, as you see it. You have become too big. You have become too dignified for God to use. The deceitful riches deceive. 
I've seen many people say, Oh, if God will bless me, how I'll bless the church. If God will bless me, how I'll bless his work. If God will bless me, how I'll give to missions. And then God blesses you. I see. The first thing you do, especially with Africans, is to buy the latest car. I was, just before I came, somebody called me. They used to have a very big business, very thriving business, exporting, doing this. And then she had called me earlier. I said, now when I pass by your factory, you have closed down your factory. She went here late because we have debts to pay. I said, debts from what? Oh, the business, whatever that is. I said, really? She said, yes. So our factory is, you know, undergoing whatever. I said, ah, okay. But this lady, every time I saw her, I would tell her, you need to give your life to Christ. You need to be serious. And when people don't want to do that, they just say, I'm Catholic. I say, it's not what you are. <laughs> it's not what you are. It's your relationship with God. I said, oh, but I'm Catholic. You know. And then she called me a few days ago. And she said, my house is for sale. I said, well, no, the last thing you should do is to sell your house. That's the roof over your head. Don't sell your house. And she said, Lady Reverend, I don't have an option. I said, what do you mean you don't have an option? She said, I owe so much. My husband can't even be in Ghana. He has left. So I have to sell this house. I said, what are you going to do when you sell this? I said, it's not about what I'm going to do. I said, so why do you have to sell it? She said, because I owe so many banks. I said, so how much is your house? She said, at least one million dollars. And I said, so what do you want me to do? Why are you calling me? She said, so that you get an agent who... So I called the agent. The agent said, she wants one million dollars. Mm, what type of... I said, look, stop asking me a lot of questions. He's a church member. And then he went. When he came back, he called me. Did you ever... The house is not an easy house. There's a private salon. There are two gyms. There's a pool. And then she sent me the pictures. When she sent me the pictures, one of my peers saw the pictures and was coming to show me. Mommy, these are the pictures that have come for you. What was that? And then she was asking me, are you trying to look at designs? I said, trying to look at it. It's somebody's house. <laughs> and she's selling it. And I asked her, so now, do you serve the Lord? Oh, yes. I've now joined a charismatic church, mommy. And I'm growing. I said, so when you sell the house, where will you go? I have nowhere to go. So I'm going to stay with my mother in the village. I mean, I've watched American movies, Rags to Riches to Rags, but this one. I could not believe it. And she said, even school fees, I can't afford it. This is my high and mighty madam. With her house sprawling over so many acres. And when I spoke to her about God, she told me she was Catholic. But today, as she has lost everything, she has become charismatic. The deceitfulness of riches. Riches have a way of making us feel secure. And that's what has happened to Europe. But the more they develop or we develop or Europe develops, the more there are problems. Can't you see? Man has iPad, technology, whatever, but more problems. And when I hear the problems, terrorism, I said, unless you bow to Jesus, you will never find a solution. Because to even understand the problem, it comes from above. To understand the enemy you are dealing with, it comes from above. Amen. The deceitfulness of riches. Countries are deceived by what they have. Because they feel that they have everything. So why do they need God? 
But God is not only for material things. God is for the rescuing of the depraved and spiritually down fallen nature of man. The deceitfulness of riches. Since you became rich, we have to always call you before you will remember to come to church. Since you became rich, you are rich, but it has not affected the kingdom of God. There are many things you could say, oh, I will sponsor this. You will not do it. You will not do it. The deceitfulness of rich, when you become rich, does it affect spiritual things and the things God is doing? So, Lady Reverend, I'm not rich. You are rich compared to others. The deceitfulness of riches. And the last for other things. Last is a strong desire that drives us. Strong desire that drives us. The last for other things. So when it comes to other things, you have energy. When it comes to fornication, you have energy. Yeah. When it comes to fornication, you have you know how to plan, how to get there, how to when it's to seduce a man, you make him feel as if he is after you. But you planned everything, every step of the way. Calculated. So when it comes to church, he passes here, so I'll sit here. And the brothers to void of understanding. I didn't say the Bible says I saw a young man, void of understanding, walking by her window. Just said, understanding is not there. The last for other things. Some of us are lusts for miniskirt. <laughs> Our last is for fashion. You are a slave to fashion. You will follow fashion anywhere. You are looking on the internet. You are buying this online. You are doing this. But that effort will never be seen in the things of God. Never. Never. You are looking for the skirt. Then you say, okay, check your other branches. Do you have size 12? It's not there. Okay, I'll pick it up. Where is it? In the south. I'll pick it up. But to pick somebody to church. Let me see whether it's on my route. Let me see whether I can manage. Let me see whether it's convenient. The last for other things. The last for other things. The last for other things. I always pray, Lord, May I never be the kind of woman who spends more time in front of the mirror than in your word. May I never be the kind of woman who spends more time in the mirror than in the Bible. And by God's grace, I don't have time for that. Well, what are you doing? You are sculpting here. Sculpting. What is that? What are you doing? And when you come out to, we are rather afraid of you. You are rather looking like a caricature. With all due respect. The number of hours you spend doing your hair. Hey! Sometimes when I see people, Africans, they've braided their hair long. I say, how many hours? Oh, six. I say, what did you do? Oh, I went and I came back the next day to continue. But would you come back the next day to wait on God? Would you come back the next day to get a message? Would you come back the next day to meditate on His word? The last for other things. Choke the word. And render it unfruitful. Amen. So you can look nice without all these four day campaigns. The Bible says in Proverbs 11.1, 1, a false balance. It's an abomination. You can't be so into your body and how you look. 
and then your spirit is dead. You give this body that would die and be eaten by maggots three square meals a day. And you give your spirit one cold snack. That is at the end of the week. That lasts for other things. It chokes the word. You must have something at all costs. This person has it, so I should have it. This person has it. It drives you. But we should come to the place where we are controlled by the Holy Spirit. And not by the last for other things. The last for other things makes you not even flow with people in the church. You say, why is she married to the man she's married to? Why does she have the comfort she has? Why does she have the... The last for other things. So you have forgotten the main reason why you were saved. But I pray that that sickness will leave us. In Jesus' name. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust for other things choke the word. Finally, distractions in life. Things that distract you or take your attention away. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, he wasn't writing to unbelievers. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, sometimes abounding in the work of the Lord. When it is good, abounding in the work of the Lord. When everything is normal, abounding in the work of the Lord. When your problems are over, abounding in the work of the Lord. Always. Always. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Let me ask you, is there any area of your life that is designated for the work of the Lord? No, it's 1558. 5-8. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Steadfast means you are not moved easily. From here and there, you can't keep on track. You can't keep on course. Only you. You have been to all the churches in Copenhagen. Be ye steadfast. Unmovable. Unmovable. That foolish boy who keeps moving you. Be ye steadfast. It didn't say pray that you will be. Because when you become a Christian, God has given you the power to become what he says that you can become. So he says, be ye steadfast and movable. What are the things that move us? Our emotions. <coughs> Big time. Let me remember today I'm sad, so. Let me remember today I'm happy, so. Let me remember I'm heartbroken, so. Our emotions are good, but he didn't say as many as are led by their emotions. He said as many as are led by the Spirit of God. So we have to learn to walk in the Spirit above our emotions. That's another topic altogether. Unmovable. Many things come to move us. Situations. Sometimes even tragedies. Difficult things. Misfortunes. Even... Good fortune. Move you. But the author of Hebrews is saying, of Corinthians, Paul is saying, be steadfast and movable. Don't let things move you. Don't let situations move you. Always abound in the work of the Lord. Always abound means you grow. You flourish. 
you, you thrive in the work of the Lord. Knowing this, knowing this, because if you don't have that knowing, you will give up. Knowing this, that your labor in Ikea, your labor in H&M, your labor in the factory, your labor at the office, your labor in the care home, your labor in nursing, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. All the other labors are in vain. We don't carry them over to eternity. But your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Beloved, I can testify that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Even sometimes fruits that you don't think you have. Like I told you, maybe at an airport, somebody comes and says, Oh, I used to be in your fellowship. Or you preached. and I, Even you don't know. I think heaven is going to be full of surprises. But our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. My father was a fantastic giver to the house of God and we used to criticize him because when we went to say daddy we need a new pair of shoes he would say let me see the soles what's wrong why do you want to change your shoes this may be Saturday then we'll go to church on Sunday and they'll say oh the uh, men's fellowship wants to do this to go yeah. then my father will sign a check and give to them then I look at the price of my shoe if he had bought it and then this big check that he's giving to the church so we used to be very annoyed. We'll be saying, I look at him. He's giving to the chef. For what purpose? When we say we want to do this, say, you have to learn to be simple. You see, I don't know who you will marry. So you must be able to blend it with all. Oh, blend it with what? <laughs> but I believe that that gave him long life. My father lived till 90. He didn't have blood pressure problems, diabetes, nothing. Nothing. And I know that God must have preserved him. Because he always served his church. And even it was when he died. And the church came to give a testimony. That I saw that he did more than we even knew. So what we were criticizing him about. It was more than that. And he left us a godly heritage. Which when he died and we were paying tribute. All my siblings said. You insisted that we go to church. We insisted that we get to know God. You said, so, although he had all these things, it made a difference in the church he belonged to. Be ye steadfast. And move up. Even the news on, on the TV can move you. The hopelessness in the world can move you. The fear in the world can move you. But Jesus says, be steadfast and movable. Always abounding in the work. Always abounding in the work because it makes you sin. If it were not for the church, you would be in asylum today. If we're not in the church, you would be shooting drugs today. But because of Jesus, there's a difference in your life. Always abounding. Some of you, you haven't even started before you will abound. But tonight, God is calling us and saying that we can all put our hands to the plow. We can all talk about Jesus to somebody. We can all serve in his house. And it takes sacrifice. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Rev. Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. 
We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.